Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast podcast with Wayne. I'm Patrick coming to you for the NFL playoffs. We are through the first round. Uh, we haven't already. Go check out YouTube, um, anywhere on our podcast uh, audio and check out that episode. Um, just want to know what our takes were. Um, we're going to look forward tonight uh, going over the you know final eight here in the tournament. Um, we'll also go over some of our predictions for Super Bowl matchups, everything like that. Um, so, you know, if you're with us, you know, always subscribe, uh, like, and review after you're done, you know, watching us and, uh, check out our sponsors too. We are, you know, sponsored by the Sharps app as well as, um, our friends over at Titan Nutrition. So we've got a couple offers there for you. Um, go check it out. Be a part of those communities. They're all related to sports and fitness. So definitely fit what we're about. And, uh, yeah, without further ado, we'll just go into the matchups for, you know, this uh, divisional round here, um, starting on Saturday, we have the Houston Texans going on the road to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Man, this is quite a matchup here. Uh, I really should have picked, listen to my my gut and picked C.J. Stroud and the Texans to win uh, last game against the Browns there. But, you know, kind of went with uh, what was on paper there. But, you know, this game against the Ravens, my beloved Ravens here. Uh, so two of my favorite teams, I think, that are playing right now, Texans-Ravens. Uh, it's going to be a cold one there. I think it's going to be uh, – I think the last time I checked, it was going to be like uh, below 20 degrees, uh, maybe even cooler there if you can factor in wind chill. So definitely going to be, you know, winter football, I think, kind of uh, happening over there. But C.J. Stroud basically had a perfect game against the Browns. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the best way to put it. So uh, had an almost perfect passer rating. and decimated one of the top ranked defenses in the NFL. And he's going to be going against uh, another top ranked AFC North team. there, uh, having a, an elite defense. They've been able to get to the quarterback a bunch. So I think that'll be a test, uh, you know, against Tunstall and such. I mean, that matchup with like Clowney and, and Benoit getting to uh, CJ Stroud, that's going to be key because, you know, they, uh, CJ Stroud was, basically kept upright for most of the game. Like Miles Garrett uh, was not a factor at all in the game. So, you know, that should be something to keep an eye out on, especially on those, you know, play actions that CJ Stroud just killed and decimated the Browns uh, secondary there. So that being said, hey, let's look at the Ravens here. Uh, Mark Andrews, looks like he's, you know, possibly he's going to be returning for this game and that can only help. That's, you know, Lamar Jackson's favorite uh, target there it can definitely help out in the red zone, which, you know, when you have a big tight end there, uh, even with likely, like it was hard to beat Mike, uh, Mark Andrews as a tight end, you know, getting those touchdowns from Lamar. So uh, Lamar is 42% against uh, the spread with a three and a half more at a point spread there as a favorite. It is the Ravens by nine. It looks like here. Um, he, you know, if it's a seven and a half, though, he is one and eight. So uh, against the spread, I am picking the Ravens here. But, I, you know, nine point spread. I think the Texans will cover like this team has been playing really well. They just so happen to be going against the Ravens here. One of the best teams in football and have been playing really well of late. So, um, you know, yeah, I'm just going to have to pick the Ravens, you know, winning by maybe a touchdown or less. Uh, but yeah, covering that nine point spread there. Yeah. 
I mean, I feel like with some of these younger quarterbacks now that are proving that they can, you know, somewhat hang, it's it's kind of hard to look at those spreads and, you know, take them seriously, go go with the over on most of them. I feel like a lot of these games are going to be close, um, you know, like Jordan Love. Um, CJ Stroud came with that perfect, you know, perfect passer rating, looked amazing out there, looked like it was just, you know, one of his better exhibitions in the regular season. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Browns didn't do themselves any favors. I mean, I felt like those those costly picks by Joe Flacco, I mean, they were just really bad throws. I mean, one ending in a pick six, but man, those were some ugly, ugly throws. Um, I felt like that was uh, kind of the turning point in that game probably led to a lot more confidence for Stroud. I'm not sure Lamar Jackson's going to walk out there and make similar errors. I mean, I feel like, you know, their team has been very disciplined throughout this entire year. If I were them, I'd focus a lot on the ground game. Uh, just, you know, hopefully try to pound it down, you know, Houston's throat. Um, that was one of their, you know, weak links, I'd say throughout the years, just kind of preventing, you know, good, good rushing and things like that. Uh, maybe adding Dalvin Cook into their running back mix might also be something to look out for. I mean, he had a very lackluster season with the Jets, but maybe, you know, given the bye week and just his ability to kind of get fresh, get ready to be part of Baltimore, maybe it's just an extra piece they can throw in, you know, that mix with guys like Melvin Gordon um, and, and others there. Um, like you're saying with Mark Andrews, that's a huge piece to have back, especially with likely uh, playing so well. Um, Zay Flowers obviously been like, one of their best receivers you got Beckham there too I just I like that whole offensive mix right now for the Ravens this feels like if they were to match up with anybody they'd want to take on maybe a young up-and-coming type team versus you know if it was the Browns I think that had been a tougher matchup for them to be you know quite honest I mean it's probably a bad take at this point considering the outcome of you know that that wild card game between the two but it's like the fact that you know Stroud's going on the road uh, first game in as a rookie. I mean, we saw Joe Burrow do some amazing things with Cincy, you know, his first couple of seasons in the NFL. I mean, I think Stroud could be right there in terms of, you know, his upside, his potential long-term, like a guy like Burrow. But I just feel like this is a little bit too much to bite off in his first year. He got one of the best defenses there. I mean, Kyle Hamilton playing his way to an all-pro season. You know, Roquan as well. I mean, I, I just like, you know, <laughs> the guys and the personnel they have there and being at home in Baltimore, a little bit chillier. Those elements might be a little bit different for a dome team. So, man, yeah, I'm right there with you. I do think this is going to be a game. I don't want to take any team, you know, lightly past this point. I don't know if spreads can really be that big in the playoffs and feel real, you know, confident about them. But, you know, I think Baltimore's had a great year, and uh, I think they can they can at least get this this first victory here. Yeah, I mean. Lamar is playing really well. Uh, you know, we can talk about his, I guess, postseason record. I think it's like one and three or something like that. But uh, I think this this team seems just a little bit different. Uh, you also got to look at the coaching too. Like Harbaugh, he's one of the best coaches out there. Uh, you know, has a good track record. He's making the playoffs, making some runs here and there. You know, has a Super Bowl under his belt too. And also has a really good coaching staff, a lot, you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They're getting uh, some looksies for head coaching positions. So uh, and rightfully so. Uh, they've you know, both McDonald uh, and Monken have done a tremendous job kind of just, you know, improving each each uh, side of the ball there. So, uh, yeah, I really like this team, really like the coaching. I mean, that's like one factor to take into account for, you know, as we see the Cowboys kind of <laughs> I think they just. Uh, said that uh, Mike McCarthy is going to be staying over there for the Cowboys. So sorry, Cowboys fans out there. You have my sympathies. Get well soon, et cetera. 
you know, looking forward to another 12 win season and then the early exit in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I just see that this Ravens team, I think they, they can bring it. It's just an unfortunate matchup, I think, for the Texans. You know, I think they'll be able to get some pressure. Honestly, just trying to a few Aaron throws here and there. Uh, and then Lamar, he just knows how to dissect a defense. Like, I, yeah, like, I don't think he's going to be making the same like Joe Flacco mistakes there uh, against the Texans defense. So, um, especially with the weapons, you know, pretty decent line as well. And, you know, yeah, if they're able to establish a running game with Cook, uh, Gus Edwards, Hill, et cetera, there, then, you know, I think this game could uh, definitely push that nine point uh, 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 spread there. But yeah, I just have, I think, faith with CJ just Stroud to, you know, keep it close, keep it close. Dibiko Ryan's tremendous coach, you know, really good game plan, I think, against this uh, last game against the Browns there. So um, yeah, it's just an unfortunate thing for the Texans here. But uh, yeah, I think Ravens, you know, kind of walk away with this one here. Agreed. Um, next one on Saturday, uh, similar kind of vibe to it, but we've got the Green Bay Packers going on the road to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, very similar vibe for sure. Uh, you got, you know, a top-ranked uh, team in their com- in that conference going against like a young up-and-coming team, you know, Packers youngest team in the league here uh it'll be it'll be a fun one i think though this is projected to be the highest scoring game of the weekend i think i saw the over under was like 50 some odd points there so uh shanahan will four some of the best offensive minds out there will four with just a young squad there uh like all his wide receivers tight ends are basically first and second years so it's really great that what they've been able to kind of build from there now so Jordan Love looked great. Packers have had a great season, I think. You know, beat everybody's, I think, at least, you know, both of our expectations and a lot of analysts' expectations. Uh, that being said, it, it definitely felt like it was much more about the Cowboys kind of just cowboying. Maybe it's just, it's just me and Cowboys fans, but just in how they kind of just, you know, choked up there uh, against this uh, Packers team. But, you know, 49ers too. This is a team that just has a history of succeeding both not just in the regular season, but also in the playoffs, you know, albeit if they can just keep Brock Purdy healthy, you know, I think that that definitely is a big difference maker there, but they have all the talent in the world, uh, great coaching. Uh, if they can, you know, get ahead that, 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 that's definitely something to watch. Cause if the Packers, if, if, you know, if they get like a 10 zero score, uh, I think we've seen that sometimes Shanahan is not the best when I guess trying to come back some sometimes there, um, and then, yeah, obviously this, his whole fourth quarter stuff as well, you know, going against elite quarterbacks and offenses, but, uh, I do, it is a nine point spread, nine point spread here, Matt LaFour against the spread as an underdog, you know, 70% against the spread. So pretty good there. Uh, he, he, he was recently quoted as there's very little, there's, there's a little bit of freedom just kind of being the underdog and I'm all for that. I love that attitude. I think. That's the attitude you got to have, especially when you're going against a juggernaut like the 49ers. But I just think that this 49ers team, they're on a mission. They're not just thinking about the Packers. You know, they'll definitely be focused here, but they're, they have bigger uh, aspirations here. So, yeah, picking 49ers, but have the Packers covering the nine-point the nine, the nine spread there. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like the Niners are looking at, you know, this playoff, you know, game and saying, you know, we really need to just win this game uh, just to have one under our belt. Whereas, you know, like we've talked about with the Cowboys, it's that constant year in, year out pressure that they face being in one of the largest markets for football. I mean, Dak kind of looks nervous under the gun whenever it gets, you know, around this time of year. You know, McCarthy, we could probably digress and just talk about him as a coach, a leader, whatever you want to, you know, call it. But, you know, I thought Green Bay did play well um, in that game in all phases. I mean, but obviously I did feel like that first half was pretty much, you know, on Dak's shoulders. I felt like the narrative was, you know, Dak is choking up. He's, you know, throwing these costly picks. Um, and it got out of hand quickly. And that's what can happen when, you know, just one thing leads to another. We saw the same thing happen in the Cleveland-Houston matchup. Suddenly the game just kind of gets away from you, you know. So, um, you know, all that said, I don't think we can discount what Jordan Love's meant to this team, uh, what he's, you know, currently showing, what he's doing in his first year as a starter. I mean, similar to Stroud, I just feel like he's, you know, really picking up steam at the right time. Um, he's arguably outplaying Brock Purdy as a quarterback, especially around this time, which matters most. I feel like just having that little bit of extra confidence, you know, will do him wonders. I mean, it could, you know, make this game closer than, you know, most folks would consider. I mean, I think, you know, Purdy's had some of his struggles late here, um, and he's had to rely on some of his absolute superstars around him to get him, you know, out of trouble. But I mean, that's the luxury that Purdy has. I mean, he's got all of his guys healthy, um, you name it, you go across the wide receiving core, you know, pretty much money. You got one of the best tight ends in the game, debatable whether or not he should have been first team all pro. Uh, another thing we could probably digress about. Uh, and then CMC. I mean, I love the guy. I feel like he's you know, now getting his time to shine. This is his second time kind of going through this whole thing with, with the Niners and uh, just excited to see what they can do as a team. I think the Chase Young addition at the end of the year, um, you know, probably properly rated at the time, but man, the impact that guy, you know, probably has on that front four, um, the confidence they probably have in one another just to, you know, apply pressure. I mean, Jordan loves, you know, gonna, gonna see it a lot. And uh, I want to see how he, you know, plays his way through that. So um, I think this game will be competitive. I don't know if Jordan loves going to be enough to, you know, get them over the top. I'm going to take the Niners as well. Um, but, I think that he will, you know, earn a lot of respect in this game, and uh, he may outperform Purdy uh, when we look at just, you know, stat lines or just impressions throughout the game. I think that might be one of the narratives we take away from uh, from this Saturday's game. Yeah, this this game is definitely going to be, you know, one of the most exciting games out there. Just I, I you know, I'm very excited to see it hit uh, that 50 point spread, basically, or, or that 50 point. Uh, over under so uh you know it's it's definitely projected to be a high scoring game so i'll definitely be tuning in for that for sure and seeing how many points can uh both teams score there because you know yeah these are two great young quarterbacks have been playing really well uh really talented teams out there and you know great head coaches like who would think like great head coaching right let's see what they could do for a young quarterback's development there so um yeah very looking very much so looking forward to this matchup and seeing what the if the Packers can't pull something off or the, the 49ers can take care of business here. For sure. Uh, moving on to Sunday, uh, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Detroit Lions. Yeah, this is definitely going to be interesting. Um, you know, both uh, teams and their passing games, they've just been kind of red hot. And kind of conversely, both the Lions and the Bucks passing defenses are you know 
pretty bad. Like uh, bottom third uh, is I think the, from the last time I checked there. So you know the uh, the point total for this game it looks like it's projected to be about forty eight and a half. Uh, I'm definitely going to be picking the over for that. Like I think this game is going to be a shootout just the way that both secondaries have been playing, and then both passing games, like I mentioned before. Lions, you know, uh, they might be able to to run the ball a little bit. The Bucks, they have one of the better, uh, they have a top ten run defense there, so that'll be interesting. But you know, hey, the Bucks too, uh, they just haven't been able to get the ball moving, and yeah, they're going to be going against uh, one of the top ranked run defenses on the Lions there. So it's definitely going to be a lot of passing, you know, maybe some screen bubble screams. Uh, the Bucks, they need to stop Amon St. Brown. Like I think he had. 12 receptions, 100, you know, a lot yards basically against them uh, in an earlier matchup where the Lions won there. So it was like 20 to 5. But honestly, like, Amara St. Brown, he was like the main guy. He was basically their, their only uh, uh, target that they were able to get moving there. Jared Goff had a great game. They, di- they didn't get anything really on the ground. I think they had like 40 yards running there. So um, it's really just stop Amara St. Brown get to Jared Goff and take care of business on the run. You know, if the Bucks can do that, this can be a close one. That being said, this is the Lions at home. Uh, Goff, he's been really sharp. And, you know, they are going to have Gibbs too. I think Gibbs was missing in their first matchup there. Um, so if they can, you know, if the Lions can just not give up too many big plays, I think – uh, you know, Puka had a ridiculous game. Justin Jefferson had a ridiculous game against his Lions defense, right? I think Puka had 180 yards. Justin Jefferson with Nick Mullins passing to him at like 190 yards. And then I think like 140 yards or something like that. So if they can just like not keep it close to 200, like, you know, sure. Give Mike Evans a hundred here and there. He's just a ridiculous talent, but kind of just not have a ridiculous game there. And, you know, maybe uh, Aiden Hutchinson, he's had, I think, like seven sacks the past, I believe, three games. So he's been able to get to the quarterback some there. Um, you know, if they're able to get some pressure against Baker, maybe get an Aaron throw here and there, that can definitely, you know, be the difference in the game. But seven and a half or uh, six and a half, I should say, Lions, uh, I think they win and cover. I think they can cover this. Uh, I, th- I just think they have a lot of momentum. You know, I think they'll be able to run the ball a little bit, especially at home. It's just going to be a raucous crowd. And, you know, I, I think they have a big aspirations uh, this postseason. So, yeah, good to pick the Lions covering uh, at six and a half. Yeah. Man, I felt like the Tampa, you know, Philly game was more of a story about Philly absolutely collapsing than it was about Tampa persevering dominating putting it to you know philly overall it just felt like you know that tail end of the season we talked about that in the preview it was just this to me is about philly quitting you know not playing their best you know maybe there's an inner turmoil that we're still trying to figure out what the what the root of it all is but man i saw guys just quitting out there i mean passes that were going for 60 yards you know i think the one to trey palmer i just just missed tackles i think ray lewis commented on it with the manning brothers um on their on their you know their cast and everything like that but i i've seen stuff like that over the course here from philly um in this tail end of the season where it's just like just giving up big play after big play 
you know, not gang tackling, not being like even the last resort, just kind of falling to their knees and, you know, not, not really, you know, getting the job done. So I don't know what it is, but there's just no reason for a team like that to go from what we were looking at as maybe a top five, top 10 unit on defense to completely bottoming out toward the end of the year. Um, you know, for what it's worth, Mayfield did his job, had a great stat line, you know, had a few touchdowns, had, I believe, over 300 yards uh, passing in the game, um, due in part to some of those big plays. You know, the defense completely shut Philly out. I mean, I know Hertz was playing with a, you know, dislocated middle finger. He had a very pretty ball that went down the middle of the field, so I don't think he was completely inhibited by it. But, I mean, for what it's worth, Tampa was bottom, I believe, five in the league in pass coverage, pass defense throughout the year. I mean, I think they're probably a little bit better than that now, uh, just given, you know, coming off this big win and kind of the tail end of their own season. But, you know, to go up against Detroit, I think what they're going to have to do, like like the Rams, is kind of try your best to shut down that run game and put all the pressure in the world on Jared Goff to beat you because, you know, I think that's the only strategy you can probably come with with Detroit. You try to, you know, balance out your, you know, defensive attack a little bit too much. Like, they're going to exploit that that balance. So, um, it is a huge boon for them to have Gibbs back. Um, like you were saying with Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, he's like controlling that short yard, you know, m- mid-range yardage game. I feel like anytime he gets the ball, he's so choppy. He's kind of like Pacheco and just like his strength uh, once he has the ball. I mean, he's able to break tackles and get those extra yards. Um, Laporta, I mean, getting him back in another week, you know, healthier is definitely going to be helpful for their, you know, pass attack too. Um, that game with Detroit and Los Angeles was completely like really competitive. I, for you know, moments throughout the game, I actually felt like Los Angeles was going to win the win the game just because, you know, it just kept getting closer and closer to them. You know, putting it back into you know the red zone, or you know, had they not decided to punt, you know, with five minutes left to go and just win for it, I believe they needed five yards. Like that probably would have been a smart de- you know decision at the time. Um, but yeah, it was a game of inches. Detroit completely earned that victory. And I think Los Angeles is a better team than Tampa, in my opinion. So uh, I'm going to go right there with you. I have um, Detroit winning as well, and I'll have them covering this one because I do feel like um, this is a type of statement game. I think they'll come out, you know, show what their offense is really all about, exploit the past defense of Tampa, um, combining, you know, combining in a little bit of that run game too. But I think at least being at home and having what I think is an inferior opponent to match up with in the next round. You know, they've learned enough from that first one, get it out of their way, get that victory under their belts, get a taste of what it's like to win in the playoffs nowadays. Like they're going to come in with a lot of fire and uh, line themselves up for the NFC championship game. Yeah. I mean, how about the two Pennsylvania football teams kind of just not, I think they're they're probably the two worst uh, uh, teams here in the entire playoffs, right? Uh, albeit both kind of did it their own different way. Uh, you know, the Eagles kind of just they kind of just slid in there, just looking uh, having that hot start. It's like how do you how can you not screw up a ten one you know season start basically there, and then uh, having also yeah the Steelers kind of just doing their typical Steelers thing, just manufacturing a win here and there somehow some way with like really crappy quarterback play so anyway yeah this game this game bucks lions you know i see the the lions for sure they're definitely looked a lot better against a you know really hot team that the rams i think we we both picked them at least i know i did so 
Um, you know, they were they were they won seven of eight games there. The Bucks, yeah, I think they've they're I think they're like four four and one, five and one get you know in the last uh, five five or six games there. So uh, they're playing pretty well too. That being said, yeah, uh, the Lions I feel like are just in a different echelon here. So you know, we'll see if if Baker Mayfield if he does step up his game a little bit. You know, had a really great game last game, but you know that was definitely against uh, an Eagles team that just has lost. You know, kind of they, they look lost out there. Uh, I think Nick Sirianni he's lost the locker room. So you know, how about that, right? Like if you were to think about Eberflus and Sirianni, like if we were to talk about who would have a job like midway through the season, by the end of the season, it's like, oh, who would have think Eberflus? Uh, you know, would be staying basically. But I mean, Nick Sirianni, we'll see if he does get another chance, if he's able to, you know, kind of redeem himself next season. But, you know, just everything I've read and everything, it's like, he, it feels like he's lost the locker room. And I think that's like what a lot of GMs and other head coaches, former head coaches would say is if you lose the locker room, like good luck uh, getting any, you know, any other uh, motivation or anything like that. You know, you compare that type of MO or, or emotions that are happening in a locker room to what we see Dan Campbell doing over there with the Lions, right? Like he's got them pretty, pretty locked in and motivated. So uh really like what the Lions are doing. I think they advance here and yeah, we'll see what happens though. Yeah. Um, on that point, I know it kind of moves away from the game itself, but <laughs> I would consider it a travesty if Sirianni was let go if it is only based on performance, if we are, you know, talking about what you're talking about, if he's actually like caused some real rifts or there's some, you know, un, uh, you know, mitigatable damage that he's done to his team. Like I totally get that. I think that would probably be the only reason I would let him go on because for three seasons to do what he's done uh, with Philly, um, getting him to a Super Bowl last year, I mean, pretty much being one of the dominant, you know, forces in the NFC East. I mean, I think that, that definitely says a lot. Um, you know, they did go into that game without A.J. Brown. Um, from what I've heard, Brian Johnson, their offensive coordinator, has had problems with Jalen Hurts. I've heard Sean Desai, obviously a former Bears defensive coordinator, got his duties stripped from him and given over to Matt Patricia. Um, I think both of those guys could probably be out the door. I know Brian Johnson at least has been getting looks as a possible head coach candidate, maybe an offensive coordinator for another team. But I think you bring in maybe one offensive coordinator, one defensive coordinator to really help write that ship after Steichen and Gannon left. And that's been a lot of the talk too. I've heard that Lurie and Rose, you know, Howie Rosen, uh, Roseman have just been kind of like, you know, debating whether or not they can, you know, keep Sirianni and just bring in new coordinators. But they were talking about how that was an issue and that somebody's going to be let go. I mean, s some folks are going to be let go regardless. I just think in today's day and age, like we did see McCarthy get retained after a 12 win year and a really shitty playoff performance, but it's like, it's too quick trigger to me, man. Like, like great head coaches don't grow on trees, man. They really don't. I mean, we look every single year, there's like five to eight jobs available every year. I mean, just cycling through some of the retreads or trying to take a gamble on, you know, th who we think is the next big thing. Like it doesn't always pay off. I mean, I, I'd almost get like gamble that it doesn't pay off majority of the times. And it's really hard to find, you know, a guy like Sirianni, who's young, you know, pretty much done nothing but excel when you look at win-loss and getting his team to some pretty great heights. I mean, I think if he does get let go, he's going to have a job tomorrow kind of thing. So all this said, just like want to throw caution to the wind there that 
you know, just letting letting somebody go um, at the head coach spot, you know, doesn't solve all your issues. Yeah, hundred percent. Kind of like you know how the Bears, they're kind of also just trying to figure out offensive coordinator right now, and oh, and defensive coordinator too. So, uh, yeah, a lot of you know coaches. Hopefully, the the Bears get the best one, and not the Eagles. But yeah, you know, if I'm the Eagles, for sure, if I if I'm an offensive coordinator, like if I'm like. I don't know, like a Kellen Moore, maybe I want to like have more seasoning, kind of prove myself a little bit more Then that's definitely a great opportunity. I think, you know, to just join that roster, albeit, yeah, they're not going to have Kelsey anymore. So, uh, but you know, they still have a loaded roster. Uh, so one of the better offensive lines and, you know, young talent and Jalen hurts. So, and you know, a good wide receiver core too. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting thing to talk about. Uh, sorry, Bucks and Lions fans to make this a little bit more about the Eagles and their downfall here, but we just definitely had to feel like mention it, uh, you know, just because it's such a such an interesting story and how that season just kind of, you know, washed away there, you know, right there at the end there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, but as far as Detroit Tampa goes, it sounds like we're both on the same side. Uh, we're looking at Detroit going over, going over pretty handsomely. So. Moving on to our last one, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs going on the road to take on the Buffalo Bills. Here it is. Okay, this is definitely going to be a fun one, I think. So, and, you know, we'll see you for a line on this because, uh, hey, this is a very interesting game. Uh, talk about, you know, one of the biggest robberies in all the NFL, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen here. This will be the first playoff road game for Patrick Mahomes, which is unbelievable to think about, right? Uh, but this just goes to show how, just how tremendous they've been and also how uh, how they kind of have taken a back seat or stepped back a little bit here. So um, Bills, they've won their last two regular season matchups here against the Chiefs. Uh, in the last or in the head-to-head -head matchups overall, Josh Allen is 3-1 and one in the regular season against Patrick Mahomes. Holmes though he's two and zero against Josh Allen in the playoffs, so that's you know kind of where it counts here. Uh, and I'll get more into kind of you know what my theories are on that a little bit, but you know Mahomes too, like the the Bills, they're three point favorites here. You know it's at home. Bills have been playing lights out, tremendous. Josh Allen on a whole nother world right now, but uh, you know Mahomes. 8-1-1 career as an underdog. So he's been an underdog in 10 games his entire career. But that's an unbelievable record, you know, against the spread as an underdog there, 8-1-1. So, uh, and on, this is an away game, right? His away record is better than his home record, which is hard to think about because he plays at Arrowhead, one of the loudest stadiums in the world. So, uh you know, 39 and 11 away record versus a 35 and 11 home record. So he's even better away uh, against the spread, too. So than he is at home, 28, 20 and two uh, away, 25, 21 at home. So a lot of interesting, I guess, numbers there to think about, you know, for, if you're a better and also just as a fan, it's like, how how is this going to turn you know turn out too? So um, shorter week by the Bills or, or for the Bills, uh, you know they played on Monday and you know their matchup's going to be what on Sunday here. So compare that to the the Chiefs who they played on Saturday. So 
that's, you know, more time to rest, uh, a little bit more time to study and, you know, kind of look in advance and see, you know, yeah, uh, uh, you know, maybe game plan for the Bills probably a little bit more because I think, you know, everybody and their mom kind of predicted the Bills to win that matchup there. So uh, the Chiefs defense, I think, is a difference maker. Uh, Bills, their injuries, their injuries have piled up a little bit on the defense. Getting a little bit healthier, it looks like Rasul Douglas, he's going to be playing. Uh, but yeah, they've. Uh, I think they've just been battered up a little bit. Well, like I mentioned before, too, about the shorter week here. And the main difference maker for me to pick the Chiefs as the underdog, I think, is the coaching. I think you, you take Andy Reid versus Sean McDermott. I take Andy Reid 100% of the time. Yeah, and Steve Spagnola, you know, one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL, a revamped defense, too. Uh, I think also, too, you know, if Patrick Mahomes, he can just manufacture some uh, some touchdowns here and there, kind of play that game manager uh, role a little bit. Uh, that's I think that that does it here. I think the Chiefs defense will be able to slow down Josh Allen and that offense. Uh, I know the the Bills won the regular season matchup here, but like I mentioned before, this is the playoffs is third time the charm. Uh, for Josh Allen to beat Patrick Mahomes? I don't think so. I'm taking the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes advancing to their fifth straight AFC championship game here. No, I, I totally hear you. I I want to go with you two on this one just because it seems too fitting. It seems almost too certain that a team like the Chiefs you know, we'll go, you know, into Buffalo, into a hostile, you know, environment with Mahomes going there for his first time and, you know, knock it off. And I think that will kind of, you know, build on his story, his narrative for being one of the great, you know, greatest players, greatest quarterbacks of all time. I totally see that whole narrative. Um, there's a strong part of me that just wants to push back and take Buffalo. Um, I feel like for all the good things you've said about Josh Allen, um, I think that extends the whole team when I look at what's been going on the second half of this season. It's been a tale of two years for the Bills themselves. Um, they've been extremely resilient uh, getting through some of these games. I did feel like there was a moment in that Pittsburgh game where Pittsburgh started inching in on that one, and I was like, okay, this might actually be a football game here to close it out. And you know, luckily, Buffalo was able to get that extra touchdown to just pad their lead a little bit. But there was some scares throughout that game. It wasn't a, a walk in the park for Buffalo, um, especially in the second half. Um, but again, I know, I know, like you're saying, the injuries have started to pile up. If Terrell Bernard is not playing and they're you know, going to go back to AJ Klein as their, uh, as their mic, I think that will be a huge loss for them. I mean, Bernard was one of their best players on defense all year. Um, I do like the fact that there's been a lot of guys stepping up for Buffalo, um, in times where they've had major injuries. I feel like, you know, Taylor Rapp, uh, in the secondary has done a great job, um, just kind of covering in for, you know, Rasul Douglas, others making a big pick um, in one of their, you know, last games in the regular season. I feel like, um, you know, we're to this point now where, you know, you just got to look at Buffalo and who they are and how they feel going up against KC. I don't think that they fear them. I think that they see themselves as equals when they go up against the Chiefs. I feel like Josh has had some huge games, you know, obviously a big loss a couple seasons seasons ago to, to Pat Mahomes with, uh, 
you know, that, that amazing overtime performance by both guys. I feel like there's that mutual respect there between them. Obviously, like you said, Casey lost uh, the regular season matchup at home. Um, going into Buffalo, I think that's a great, you know, advantage for Buffalo, you know, themselves just to have the crowd behind them in this one. I don't think the weather's really going to play a factor either because Casey just hosted the Dolphins in, uh, what was it, negative seven weather, negative 30 wind chill or something. So um, I feel like that's kind of a neutral. And, you know, I think that, you know, Reed, I'd obviously take over McDermott any day. Um, this just feels like to me, it's Buffalo's season. It's Buffalo's time. Um, I know that's probably, you know, it's even hard to say, man, because I, I, I do see like how, how uh, you know, great Casey's going to be, especially as underdogs uh, going into this one. But I feel like if Josh Allen's really ever going to be revered as one of the, one of the greats of this era, um, he's got to get this win. I mean, this is kind of a make it or break it for his career. I don't think Buffalo you know, is going to have as many great opportunities as, as they do this year, especially with the home field advantage. So um, going against some of my instincts here, like my gut is kind of like after what KC did to Miami at home, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's really hard to give, you know, them any, any uh, sort of disservice here, but I'm going to go with the Bills. Hey, that's, that's, that's definitely a good pick, I think, too. Like I've been back and forth a little bit about this. I think, maybe this is my hot take, I think if the Bills win this game, they're going to be so hyped up and motivated, they're going to take it all the way. But uh, more on that later, I guess. But yeah, this will definitely be a great matchup. And, you know, hey, like I mentioned before, too, the Bills have won the past two uh, uh, regular season games. And, you know, that's obviously without, who is it? Tyree Kill. Uh, you know, so they match up really well, uh, at least of late, without Tyree Kill. And, you know, Josh Allen, like, yeah, like I mentioned, he's playing, you know, probably the best football he's ever played and uh, can definitely carry the team. It almost feels like kind of how, in a way, it was like Aaron Rodgers, right? I think when he won that Super Bowl, uh, kind of like that, where, you know, they, they were kind of struggling a little bit and then they just got hot and nobody can beat them. They had some injuries, too. And I was like, how are they winning all these games with all these hurt players? But Aaron Rodgers kind of took his team took the team on his back and it seems like Josh Allen's kind of doing something similar. So yeah, I don't know the bills win this one and I don't think, I don't see any team kind of stopping them, but yeah, I think, Hey, that's definitely going to be, I think a this game will be a fun one to watch there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that I'll also add about KC to me is that they have been leading a lot with their defense this year. I haven't seen a lot of amazing, offensive performances coming from the entire team this whole season i feel like that first round against miami you were going up against a lot of their reserves it you know they lost a lot of guys as well in that home stretch and i mean even then i don't think they had to really drop the hammer to win that game i think they put up 27 but i mean i feel like against a team like that it uh it probably should have been blown open a little bit more if this was your typical kc team so I mean, I, I see a lot of leaning on Rashi Rice, and that's probably been their most effective weapon throughout the course of this season. I mean, Travis Kelsey, to me, has also taken a bit of a step back. I mean, he's had maybe one of the lighter uh, seasons that he's had in a while. I mean, it still makes him like a top three tight end, but he had some pretty costly drops in that Miami matchup. He just, he doesn't necessarily look himself, you know what I'm trying to say? So it's like, they are leaning on guys like Pacheco that I think, you know, lead with effort first versus overall just like, 
dynamic skill. You know, to be honest with you, I like I love Pacheco because he's just so hard nosed and he's just like, you know, wanting to injure the other, you know, the other player when it comes to tackling and stuff. So I just appreciate how he goes about the game. I just feel like they are a little bit undermanned in my opinion when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. And uh I mean if their defense can lock it down and play to their standard, it, it it's gonna be a low scoring you know, game where I think Casey prevails, but, uh, you know, I just haven't seen enough of that offense to feel like very confident in them. Yeah. And I 100% agree. Like this Bills team has, I think a lot more, a lot more momentum. They're playing better, but yeah, I just, I, I just like the chiefs. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. And I, I'm glad, I'm glad. Yeah. The bills are finally passing to Khalil Shakur. Like I was big on him. I did not like Vilas Jones Jr. Vilas Jones there for the Bears at the third round. Cleo Shakur fell into the fifth round there. I really liked him. But anyway, uh, yeah, this will definitely be a fun one, I think, to watch regardless. But yeah, uh, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, I think. Uh, part of me does want to cheer for Josh Allen, though, just because, like, you know, two, he, he's lost twice to Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs now. He's got to win one, right? Like it's it, it's got to be a rivalry, but it's not a rivalry if it's you know one team or one player is kind of just dominating the playoffs, you know. Yeah, I mean, I always appreciate some new blood there too. We saw obviously in the two thousands and twenty tens that Tom Brady and the Patriots would always somehow find a way, you know, to get into the Super Bowl, and it's like. I just don't want that same thing to kind of keep running itself back year in, year out. Like, I appreciate Patrick Mahomes. I want him to have success. I think he's a classy guy. Um, but I also think the same with Josh Allen. It's like, I think he's played to that same standard, you know, this year. And, and in past years, too, it's just like he's got to get over that hump. So hopefully he does that. I mean, Buffalo's starving for their first championship. Like, this would be a great way to kind of kick that whole thing off, um, that run. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. I could totally see KC going in there and upsetting them, but stick with Buffalo and, uh, you know, see how this one uh, plays its way out. Yeah. And, but yeah, yeah, like Travis Kelsey, I mean, is he going to retire? Like, I don't know. Like, his brother, he's he's retiring. Like, I agree with you. I think I've noticed that, too. He just seems like he, he's not as passionate or he's thinking about Taylor. I don't know what's happening there, but he definitely feels – uh, a little distractor. He's not like all in there. So, you know, but hey, maybe this is the game. He does get a little bit more focused there. It's like, oh, I'm going to, this is going to be my last season or something. I'm going to, you know, go out at the bang. So I'm going to give it my all there, you know, give, give the, hand the ball over to Rasheed Rice as the, you know, primary number one for Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years. So, um, but yeah, you know, uh, if this is Travis Kelsey's last season, that'll be interesting to, to pay attention to. And, you know, the Kelsey's will just be podcasting, I think, for, you know, for now until eternity. So, but, uh, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on there. And, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, what kind of game he has, I think, against the Bills here. But, you know, he, he'll definitely be, I think, an X factor no matter what, though. Yeah, I mean, he's got his choice in terms of career after, you know, football's all done with. I mean, when you think about what he's actually playing for, I mean, more championships are great. But I think even Gronk had his limits in terms of putting his body on the line and like doing it for the Super Bowl victories. Maybe if there's anything, Travis wants to kind of move up the tight end board in terms of, you know, statistics and things like that too. Like I could I could definitely see that 
Um, but at 34, you know, going into 35, I mean, that's kind of like tail end of career, in my opinion, for a tight end. Like you said about his brother, I mean, they do that like great podcast together. And like, I think just being with Taylor's probably only amplified, you know, his, uh, his status, his image and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I can't fault the guy. I mean, if he's on the doorstep of maybe getting married and like trying to settle down stuff too, like, you know, maybe football isn't the first thing in line when it comes to just what's truly important to him to today. But uh, yeah, it's just funny to see like just some very, you know, routine catches being dropped by a guy like that. who's just made that, you know, his, his business. And it's like, I don't know what's going on, man, to be honest with you, he just looks like a different player this year. So uh, we'll have to see, man. I don't, you know, Again, this is a different KC team than the ones we've seen in past seasons. Um, that defense has really stepped up. So to me, like that's where it starts. And then you also have Patrick Mahomes, and it's like, and he'll find a way, you know. So we'll see. But uh, this one shall be good. Uh, we've got our choices here locked for the four games coming up this weekend. I guess the only other question to ask you is, you know, looking past this weekend, you know, maybe we don't go into conference championships and all that or or what have you, but Super Bowl matchup, who do you, who do you have, you know, locked up here uh, as we move into February? Yeah, no, I mean, could definitely get a little bit into the conference matchups. I mean, I, I feel like I've already talked about those individual teams a little bit there that, you know, I think we projected to win here. So, you know, in the NFC, I got Lions versus 49ers, which, you know, this is definitely going to be a fun matchup. I think, you know, a lot of Lions fans, they're very excited uh, like, yay, we're here. Yay, we don't suck this season. <laughs> but then it's like, yeah, you're going to go, you're going against the 49ers. This is business as usual. They're, they expected this. So, you know, long story short, I'm going to pick the 49ers here, uh, you know, advancing to the Super Bowl. I think they just they just have had the easiest uh, run to, I think, the Super Bowl like in years compared to any other uh, team. I mean, with the Eagles, you know, kind of having the 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 fallout that they've had is just amazing how I want to say easy that they have a road again to uh the to uh the Super Bowl but yeah they just have a really I feel like easy not to say that the Lions are an easy team to defeat but they just have a lot of holes whereas this 49ers team like it's hard to kind of pick and choose exactly where they have you know some flaws basically so um yeah I I just see 49ers advancing there and then you know on the other side of the AFC at least for me I had the Chiefs versus the Ravens and I'm going to pick the one versus one seeds coming out of both conferences it, it doesn't happen too often but in this scenario I'm like you know the Ravens have been playing really well too and then yeah also the 49ers and then a lot of the other teams have been just kind of up and down except yeah maybe the Bills so I have to pick the Ravens here. I think it's going to be a Ravens and 49ers, you know, a little bit of a rematch. I'll be not all or not the uh, Harbaugh brothers again here, you know, introducing Shanahan as a new villain, I think, for the Ravens. So, and with all that being said, my Super Bowl pick, I'm going to take the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, you know, for whatever reason, I just don't have faith, I guess, in Kyle Shanahan in Super Bowl games as much. So, uh, And I have a lot more faith in Harbaugh in that culture that they have. I think both coordinators are tremendous. I think, the, you know, like I said, the coaching 
is definitely amplified, I feel like, a lot more in the playoffs. Lamar finally gets a little bit more of that monkey off his back with regards to not being able to, you know, win some big games here. I think he's got a tremendous team. He he can pass the ball. He has wide wide outs. Mark Andrews, you know, his top wide out. I think he's or you know, he's a tight end, but he's honestly at his the top wide out. He's gonna be healthy. Uh and yeah, that defense is just playing tremendously, both from the linebackers to the secondary to the line, right? Being able to get to the quarterback. I think they're just firing on all the cylinders right now. They also have you know, lo and behold, the best kicker of all time, too. So I just feel really good, I think, about picking Ravens, winning the Super Bowl for me. Interesting, yeah. I mean, it's a bold take, man. It's a bold take only because Baltimore has been a lot like Dallas in, in past seasons where even when they have an amazing regular season, build a ton of momentum, they have this, you know, ability to kind of disappoint. and. You know, we'll have to see. I mean, I feel like Houston's a great matchup for them to kind of build confidence. I feel like that's a winnable game for them at home. They've played them at home this year, too, earlier in the season. I mean, it's a much different ball game now, but I think that first victory for Baltimore will be really big for them. Um, you know, in some ways, too, they kind of remind me of the Dodgers just because, like, I don't know, man, there, there might be something between the years with Lamar. Um, you know, there there might be something that just that just doesn't click when it comes this time. And maybe it's like kind of like Dak Prescott type type outlook on, on maybe uh, his abilities to get it done in the clutch. Like we'll just have to see, but this is the best shot that Baltimore's had ever uh, as a team kind of going into the playoffs and they need to capitalize, but I think they have the talent to get it done. Just have to see, you know, if Lamar and, and, and company can, can go ahead and do that um, on my end. I feel like, you know, looking at the NFC, I'm going to follow you right there. I feel like, you know, San Fran gets their win this weekend uh, in what should be, you know, a pretty winnable game. Uh, they match up with Detroit, you know, for all the things that Detroit does best, you know, it's 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 on the offensive side of the ball. And San Fran just does that a little bit better, too. So, you know, bringing that defense to Jared Goff may be something he hasn't necessarily seen, uh, you know, as much of maybe in the NFC North throughout this year, I mean, in this playoffs as well, I feel like Detroit's not going to face a better defense than San Francisco. Um, there's just too much talent there for me, especially, you know, going to be playing at home, being hungry from kind of losing last year's championship game in the NFC. I think that's going to really motivate these guys to come out and play uh, to their best. I'm thinking the one thing that holds them back could be Brock Purdy. Um, we'll have to see how he does, you know, against this game in Green Bay. That'll tell me a lot, um, just how he comes out and, and plays the game, because he's the one thing that I think could really help sink that ship early um, if they were to go down. But I think they get through Detroit and build some momentum, you know, going into that Super Bowl. On the other side, I think this KC Buffalo game is, you know, basically the AFC Super Bowl. I think whoever wins that game for me is going all the way uh, to the Super Bowl. Um, I've obviously talked about Buffalo, uh, you know, squeaking past KC in that one. <clears throat> but I think they can do the same thing against Baltimore. Um, I just like the experience that, you know, the Bills have had, especially Josh Allen <clears throat> playing in some of the bigger games. I feel like Lamar um, in the past couple of seasons hasn't really had 
you know, the best team around him or behind him to kind of build that experience with with some of his guys, build that rapport that I think you need in really uh, high stakes games, really, you know, pressure packed games as well. And um, yeah, I just, I mean, the defense is one thing for Buffalo. If they can get some of their guys back, that'll help. But they've just been clicking on all cylinders to me. They feel like the team of destiny is at least in the AFC. So pick them going to the Super Bowl to take on the Niners. Um, It's crazy because then we get there. I love Buffalo. I would definitely side with them. I'd pull for them. I'd cheer very loud for Josh Allen. Um, But I think from the start of this year, the one thing that I said in kicking off our predictions and doing previews for the entire NFL is like San Francisco, they're their own worst enemy if they are to go down. I mean, I feel like they have just too much talent. I like everything that um, they have on the offensive side of the ball, especially when Purdy's in rhythm. Defensively, I don't really see much of a flaw there. And I just think they need to, you know, put together a couple of victories here in, you know, the NFC to kind of get them rolling. But overall, um, I think the one thing I've said is if they can just stay healthy, they're the best team in the NFL. And I'll stand on that. Um, I think if they go up against Buffalo, you know, that's going to be a good game for them. It's going to be the best one they play, you know, this, this playoff um, season. But uh, I've got San Francisco going over and I don't know what the score will be, but I think they could, uh, you know, beat them at least by maybe, maybe seven. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a solid take. The one thing I will say about the Ravens is that it always feels like Lamar Jackson during the playoffs he he has no supporting cast. They're all hurt. Like usually they're all hurt. Now they're healthy. I mean, granted, Andrews is kind of coming back from an injury. You know, no Dobbins. Uh, but the rest, like they've always had a banged up offensive line or banged up key defensive players. So, but yeah, uh, like you mentioned before, though, even with the Niners, the health health is wealth, especially in the playoffs and if. Brock Purdy can make it to the Super Bowl, not be, you know, too damaged here and there. I mean, yeah, when <laughs> when he had Brock Purdy uh, getting taken out of the game, he had McCaffrey taking snaps under center. Like everybody kind of figured the game was done then. So, uh, yeah, if if every you know whoever is is kind of healthy, that's always a I think a key thing there. But yeah, I like the Buffalo pick. I honestly like. I, I think I put two wagers out there. Uh, it was Ravens winning over the, the 49ers and then uh, San Francisco actually, basically your pick there, San Francisco being the Bills because, you know, I definitely see this Bills team making at least a run there if they can get past the Chiefs. I feel like I feel like the Bills have more playoff experience than the Ravens. So I like that matchup for the Bills there actually there. But um, yeah, no, I think that's a good solid take. And yeah, the 49ers, best team, I think, in football, best roster in football. Only got better in the offseason. And then, yeah, healthy Brock Purdy. You know, Purdy's been playing out of his mind basically all season. Uh, their entire team has been healthy really right now. So, you know, like you mentioned before, Debo Samuels, uh, uh, Trent Williams, they're still there. So if they can just play and be healthy, then this team, it's going to be really hard to stop. So, and yeah, they, they have probably the easiest road to uh, the Super Bowl compared to the AFC there. So, yeah, I think that's a good solid take there. Yeah, I think if there's one thing Baltimore could prioritize, I mean, let's say they don't get the job done, um, you know, past past the Houston matchup. I think they've really got to 
you know, go back and get a stud running back, go back and, you know, wash out this whole like cupboard of just different pieces. I just feel like any team that's, you know, playing Baltimore, I mean, I can't, you can't necessarily drop back and just prioritize, you know, locking down the passing game because Lamar will kill you. But it's like, if Lamar just had another guy who was just as explosive, you know, explosive as, as him um, with some of his wide receivers, like it could be argued, you know, before Zay Flowers showed up, like they never really had a one or even like a solid two. Like you just need to keep surrounding Lamar with some top flight weapons. And I mean, that team would be pretty much unstoppable. I just feel like they kind of do this to themselves where it's like, you know, Dobbins, that was unpredictable. I mean, obviously he did have the ACL before this year, but it's like, you know, I guess they went into this year banking on Dobbins being healthy and kind of having like a thousand yard season. But you need to get like another guy you can rely on, like a Dobbins, to really take this team to another, you know, another level. In my opinion, I'm hearing a lot of Derrick Henry, uh, Derrick Henry talk. Like that would be amazing, right? Because it sounds like that that was his last season with the Titans. Sounds like he wants to win a Super Bowl before he, you know, kind of calls it a career. You know, I think he's what 27, 28, or something like that. So, but his game definitely translates. You know. For the long haul, just a tough physical specimen that you know, could run down. So I would love to see Henry going, joining for uh, joining the Ravens there. Uh, I mean, I think you know he is a running back, so the caps it's going to be a little cap friendly probably there. Uh, but yeah, like I, it, it is. I, I agree with your point there. I think having that running that running back there that kind of kind of similar to the 49ers. You know, if you if you remove uh, Christian McCaffrey a little bit there, there's still a great squad, right? But Christian McCaffrey takes them over by a lot. So adding in, you know, even a little bit over the hill, Derrick Henry, I think could definitely be a key addition to the Ravens going forth. So, but yeah, Lamar, uh, great talent, great guy and everything. He did, he definitely deserved the the big contract he had this offseason. And yeah, going to be the MVP looks like it. It looks like it too this season. So, but yeah, I'm I'm really gunning for him to win a Super Bowl too. Kind of, get, yeah, get that monkey off his back a little bit there too. But yeah, great season overall by Lamar and the Ravens, and hopefully he continues on to the Super Bowl here. But yeah, Derrick Henry, ah, oh, I'd love to have that happen for sure. Um, well, I guess that about covers it in terms of you know everything that's going on for this playoff season through the Super Bowl. Um, Wayne, I didn't know if you had any. Just final, you know, takes about the NFL or, or really anything else before we close out. Cookie butter ice cream. Ah, you know, I, I went to Trader Joe's the other day, uh, got a zip car because it's cold out here. So got a zip car, you know, uh, went down Lakeshore Drive, went to the Lakeview, uh, one on Clybourne, the Trader Joe's there. You know, this was like right before I, everything was just going to be shutting down. Like it was like the snowstorm of the century, uh, like every other you know year. That is what the the you know the experts always say here. But um, yeah, it was like shoulder to shoulder at Trader Joe's. Basically, everybody was just gearing up. All the oat milk was basically gone. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, had to get. I saw a recipe. Somebody gave me a really good idea about getting some cook, cookie butter from Trader Joe's. The best and making some ice cream out of it and ah such a good idea i actually 
uh, bought some more cookie butter actually uh, from Trader Joe's there as well. And probably gonna be making a little bit more cause it's so good. I actually made two versions. I made one using condensed milk uh, cause it was just like, you know, a quick way to do it. Don't need an ice cream maker. Just put a little condensed milk, a little bit of whipping cream in there as well. And then, yeah, if you want to add sugar or whatever, that's totally fine too. Um, and then, yeah, I did one that was a little bit more, uh, you know, had some, a little bit more of a custard base, had some eggs in there, uh, whipping cream as well. And then some whole milk too. So, so good. So good. I definitely prefer, you know, the, the one that required a little bit more labor of love with the eggs. Um, so, but yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, I'm sure you can find a good recipe. Uh, I'll maybe, you know, maybe I'll post like a, an image or something like that on, on YouTube or on the video here. So, um, but yeah, awesome, delicious, definitely recommend Pat. If it, you know, if I could send it to you, if I didn't have to like go and, you know, be all uh chemist about it and put it into like some dry iced, uh, box or whatever, which would probably cost me an arm and a leg a little bit, I would definitely send you some, but, uh, yeah, definitely recommend for anybody that is interested in you, uh, ice cream recipes. Yeah, man. Uh, you're, you're on this ice cream game right now. I feel like you've, I've heard of like a bunch of different flavors coming from your, from your workshop and stuff. Um, I will say over here, we had been making a lot of milkshakes, uh, at least throughout the holiday season. I've been trying to at least cut back a little bit as we move into the new year and get back on a good track. But I also was like, really into uh trying out different things with my magic bullet uh, basically just throwing a couple scoops in there some milk trying out different flavors i think i did one with some mint oreos that was just pretty much awesome i mean it came out more like a mcflurry than i did a milkshake but it was still you know really damn good and every week i feel like it was just messing with caramel messing with you know chocolate syrup and things like that um doing some basics with vanilla too just at the extract and stuff but yeah ice cream is you know definitely uh a favorite of mine when we think about dessert category and just like, you know, just that homey, uh, you know, guilty pleasure and things like that. But now it sounds pretty cool, man. Yeah. You'll have to share more, uh, on the IG account or wherever you can to, to, you know, show our, our viewers, like what you're really, you know, up to over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely made that and I don't know why I'm making so many cold things when the weather is like sub zero, but you know, for me, it's definitely some comfort food. I definitely have gone the other way. I'm pretty sure I've gained. I, I'm not even going to look at the, the scale or anything. I'm not going to weigh myself, but pretty sure I've gained a couple pounds here and there to start off the new year. But uh, it definitely has been a little mad scientist experimenting on different flavors and such. I did make a dragon fruit uh, ice cream, which I am not proud of. Like I used a little bit of coconut milk, but, you know, dragon fruit in the U.S., uh, is very bland actually <laughs> like it tastes it, it doesn't taste really like mm. much like anything so uh that that you know there's really no flavor like you can put sugar on it it'll taste like sugar you can put milk or honey in it it'll, it'll taste like milk and honey it really has not you know not too much flavor right so uh definitely gonna scrap that one but yeah definitely check out you know uh any type of cookie butter ice cream for sure uh if you don't have an ice cream maker yeah, for, you know, utilize uh, some condensed milk. That's definitely the, the best path forward. So, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is with ice cream when it's cold, uh, whether it's a milkshake like you, Pat, or just making some of your own. It it definitely, I don't know, it, it makes things a little bit easier. It just makes life nice, I feel like, is the best way to put it. 
Yeah, man. Um, no, I totally love ice cream. And uh, for the record, mint Oreos completely destroy Thin Mints. So anybody who's like <laughs> a big Girl Scout cookie fan, things like that, save your money, dude. Just go out get the mint Oreos. They're way better. But uh, give it a try if you like chocolate mint and let me know what you think. Because seriously, man, I, I tried them for the first time, you know, probably a month ago now. And I was like, holy crap, yeah. how did I never know about these? But, yeah. but man, yeah, they changed the game for me for sure. I'll probably make ice cream out of that now. Probably like, hey, Girl Scouts, just give me a bunch of cookies, you know, mint, mint, you know, thin mints or whatever, and then just make some good. Or uh, what's the, is it the Samoas or whatever? Like, oh man, that would be, that would be a tremendous thing, I feel like. So those things are addicting. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, Plus, you don't have to spend like $10 a box, you know, like those girls <laughs> are just standing out there hustling. And I feel like nowadays they're taking credit, they're taking, you know, Apple Pay, they've got, you know, crypto accounts and stuff. It's like, man, just just <laughs> seriously, just stop standing in front of the grocery store making me feel guilty that I'm not going to spend 50 bucks with you today. And like, yeah. I'm just going to go and grab my Oreos and, and call it a night. Yeah, those, those girls are just some legalized drug dealers for sure, I feel like. so. <laughs> All right, yeah. Enough of uh, the yeah fat talk and calling young girls drug dealers. What is your final thought? <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, I guess Indian food, um, you know, it's kind of come on my radar. Had some uh, last night, actually. Um, big fan of chili chicken, just in general. Um, just chicken. Sometimes they, you know, can, uh, I think they more or less, uh, they can saute it. They can either fry it. It kind of depends on the place. Um, this one had a thicker chili sauce around it, did some green peppers, some onions. Um, it was very good. Um, it's been a while since I've had like really memorable Indian food, especially being out in DC, which is too bad because of our scene out here. I think it's great overall. There's a place called Rasika that's kind of on the top hundred list for Washington Magazine. I feel like it falls within the top ten even. So one that I have to try. Um, I always get garlic naan with whatever I get. I think overall, like it just makes the meal. Like kind of pulling that apart and playing with, you know, the entree itself uh, within the pita. And then I also had some vegetable pakora, um, kind of like these vegetable fritters. I think it's like lentils, potatoes, onion, kind of all fried up and stuff. So it's just a pretty good appetizer. Um, I feel like when I think about Indian food, I always come back to Chicago. Um, there's a place on Devon Avenue up north. Uh, it's called Garib Nawaz. Uh, they basically do all the staple um, entrees, Indian food and stuff, but usually at a fraction of the price that you'd normally have to pay for carry out or sit down or anything like that. Um, but their chili chicken, man, is second to none. I feel like I've tried chili chicken from so many different places. And just anytime I went to Garib Nawaz up north, like right around where my brother used to live, I would just always just, just house it. And uh, it's still super memorable to this day. So um, if you haven't gone, um, to Grieb Nawaz up north, like go check it out. It's kind of in this Bollywood type neighborhood. So every single restaurant on the block is like Indian or Pakistani. And then they also have like arts and craft stores, mom and pops. It's all Indian, um, you know, authentic in that sense. So um, pretty cool stuff. But uh, yeah, man, I wanted to just know, like, do you get down with Indian food? And then if you do, like, what are some of your favorites uh, that you go to? Yeah, no, I do. Um, one of my uh, neighbors growing up, right, is Indian and everything. And the mom would always just like give us, you know, they have like the best rice. It's like the best rice, I feel like, you know, so I would have that. Um, 
And I think my favorite dish, I just had some today, actually. So yeah, when I went to Trader Joe's, like whenever I go to Trader Joe's, I always load up on like frozen Indian food for whatever reason, just because it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not in favor of just like cooking it. Uh, I'd rather just buy it or whatever there. But um, to your point, though, yeah, like uh, Palak Paneer is my favorite, I would say, just because it's like it's light, but has a lot of flavor there. You know, it's that spinach. It also looks really cool, too. <laughs> I'm definitely a, a green type of guy, but it has that like Indian cheese with that spinach, you know, creamy like gravy that's basically on top. You're having that with some Indian rice, like I could eat that for a week basically. So, um, I definitely am a favor of Indian food. And I'll definitely got to check. I don't think I've actually been there. Uh, Garib Nawaz looks like yeah, on Devon. So it looks like it's got really good ratings. I think I see it on DoorDash. So I might have to. You know, take a little gander there or just, you know, take up a nice trip up there. Maybe when it gets a little bit warmer or, you know, maybe I take a little uh, uh, ride up there, you know, and kind of gut it out with the weather here. But that sounds really good, too. Um, definitely check out Devon if you are in the neighborhood in Chicago. Uh, definitely great Indian food and just a great culture there, too. So, but yeah, Palak Paneer, hands down. Always love a garlic naan for sure, though. Yeah, I think the thing that I like about Garib too is that neighborhood just gives you that old, old style Chicago feel, you know, like nowadays, there's so much development um, throughout these cities, there's so much new that's kind of going up that, you know, kind of looking at what is preserved from like traditional Chicago neighborhoods and like those small mom and pop shops, those blocks that would just be kind of filled with them. And you got those old like brownstones and like brick apartment buildings and stuff like I just feel like that is what I remember Chicago being. So anytime I used to go up in that neighborhood or, you know, if I think about it nowadays, it's like, I, I still think that whole area would probably be preserved in the way that, you know, it was left, but um, it's cool when you are on that North side of Chicago and you can just dart over to these different neighborhood blocks. And it's like a specific ethnicity kind of, kind of, in, you know, embodies that whole area and stuff. So like you will totally get the Indian vibe when you go into that, that block. And uh, I think that's, another great part about it. Um, but yeah, man, um, pretty versatile when it comes to Indian, like love chicken tikka masala, butter chicken. I do like the stuff you can buy at grocery stores to take away. We'll shout out Costco again, cause I'm a complete <laughs> fanboy. Um, uh, they do have some really nice packaged meals that you can buy to go and stuff for Indian stuff too. So, um, but yeah, I'll keep it at that. Um, yeah, folks check it out. Maybe we could just drop their name and, you know, maybe a little bit of a, you know, graphic here just to like make it clear to folks, but yeah, give them a shout. I think when you go in there, you'll get like a big steel tray. They'll throw your entree on one part of it. And then you get like, you know, a little bit of yogurt sauce, some veggies. Um, you can also have your naan there on the side too. So man, yeah. Now I just want to go to grieve and, uh, you know, try it again for, for another time. Yeah. yeah. And, and to your point with regards to, I think it is nice to preserve some of the culture, right. In neighborhoods, right. You know, uh, you can only have so many uh, Trader Joe's in, in places. It it definitely is a different feel, uh, you know, when a Warby Parker comes in, right? Uh, you know, so it is nice to have, I think, those cultural elements. Uh, preserving that, you know, I, I think oftentimes we see, you're right, is that, you know, I know some people too, it's like, you know, especially of Asian or Indian uh, type of backgrounds, uh, if their parents hold or are, you know, own a restaurant or some sort of business, right? Uh, is that second generation? It's like, all right, well, we're going to retire. What do you like? We would like for you to, you know, preserve 
the history and take over this restaurant. But it's like, well, we don't want to. We're educated. We, you know, we have a degree, whatever, and we we want to do our own thing. Maybe you know, doctor, lawyer, all that other fun stuff, engineer. So it is interesting how that's all happening. But you know, oftentimes I do see now too is they they come back. You know, uh, the second generation will come back, or first generation will come back, and buy a property and you know hold a nonprofit board positions to kind of preserve a little bit of the culture. Uh, in those neighborhoods. And I really like to see that, you know, I think that's something that can carry on to whatever type of um, community areas are out there and, you know, kind of seeing some of that in Uptown too, which is kind of close to where I'm at. So definitely all for that and preserving, you know, a little bit of the history, a little bit of the heritage. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe, a, you know, Trader Joe's wouldn't be so bad because I, I do want that cookie butter to be a little bit closer to me, you know, as I create more ice cream uh, out of it. Yeah. No, on that point too, I feel like there was a family I grew up with. Um, they owned a place called the Cobble House in Skokie. Um, Afghani family. The restaurant was incredible. But what I really thought was cool is that the family members um, really rallied around it and made that about their education. And I think since they left, you know, high school, college, they've only opened up more locations. And like, that's the beauty of it. It's kind of like they've expanded, you know, that cuisine, that culture across you know, the North suburbs of Chicago and stuff. So, you know, rooting on the cobble house as well. Um, you know, still like to get out there and actually try it. Um, I don't even think I had the opportunity to try it when I was growing up and stuff like that too, but I definitely knew that family and they seem like real go-getters. So, um, hopefully more of that stuff takes place, but it, you know, getting into the restaurant business for all those folks out there who've watched the bear, like it looks like a complete bitch and I'm sure it is. And, when you've got that, you know, American education, you have your options, whether you want to get into finance, business, whatever it is, and you can take an easier approach to, to, you know, wealth building. Like it's a great debate to make for yourself. Yeah, for sure. It's like, do I want to become a doctor, a lawyer? Do I have that corporate, you know, white collar job or do I get my hands dirty and, you know, take takeout orders and stuff like that and, you know, build my own empire. Uh, it's, it is, it is an interesting, I think, area and, yeah, shout out to the bear. You know, I think they want some Emmys or whatever, some Golden Globes. So uh, definitely, I love I love the bear. Uh, great episode. I live close to actually yeah, Mr. Beef. And I, I do recall like them shooting. I was like, what is, like, who sh who's going to shoot at this uh, Italian beef restaurant spot? Like, I, I live literally like a couple of blocks away from uh, Mr. Beef location there. So um but yeah like love the episode i think uh marcus the, the episode in season two when he goes to copenhagen is is my probably my favorite episode there you know i think he's like a little, you know uh, becomes like a pastry chef more so of fine tunes his craft words from like a very calm methodical individual who doesn't put all the pressure of the world on him and yeah just a beautiful episode i think season two that that's just like a really good season. I think each episode carries its own weight and has something different there. But um, yeah, it speaks to, I think, you know, having restaurants in the family and that kind of communal aspect that you have overall, you know, so really like the bear, definitely go check it out if you haven't. I know probably every other friend that you've had has probably talked about the bear, but it definitely, I think, is worth, uh, you know, watching for sure. Yeah, I mean, it took me a while to jump back on the bandwagon. I felt like I watched four episodes and put a pause on it for a while. But in the last couple of weeks, basically caught all the way back up um, to the point of finishing season two. And I agree, like, 
Marcus going out and doing that it really resonated with me just getting a chance to go abroad and doing a lot of that in my 20s like I feel like I definitely learned a lot from you know being on my own but also just kind of going after the adventure and trying to learn through it I feel like uh definitely builds a lot of character it you know teaches you a lot of great life lessons aside from all the skills you probably picked up working with that other pastry chef but um yeah it was just very cool to see the uh you know the the amount of talent development they put into those chefs um in all different facets like in all different sorts of ways but uh definitely makes for you know great a great crew and uh just some really great character development in that show i mean i know we're completely deviating away from indian food at this point but uh yeah i mean i i think in general like really well written show really talks about you know um i think just mental health and kind of how to manage it how it is unmanageable at times too like even if you're doing all the greatest things in the world some things are completely uh unavoidable as well so uh yeah, yeah man i don't think we need to uh pump it up as as much as uh you know we, we we have to at this point i think the media has done that enough but uh yeah from from two guys who come from chicago like for sure a very uh very great show that that definitely resonates yeah i, I was just gonna say like how does marcus get like the best treatment out of there like a trip to Copenhagen and being like, you know, going to Noma and all that, where it's like, you know, he sends like the other ones to, you know, to uh, dry up forks and uh, to like culinary school, like, you know, for people that have been cooking like 20 years at a restaurant, like, how does he get that? Like a, a free trip, a free international trip, like all expenses paid there. But yeah, definitely great show and all that. But I just wanted to point that out. It's like, it seems a little ridiculous like, compared to the rest. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess the only thing I'd say is if you're looking at his upside and his age, you probably want to make <laughs> the biggest investment in him uh, or, your, or, your, or your top chef there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think each thing was pretty special. Um, the Forks especially was great. Uh, I feel like he definitely learned a lot from from being the fork guy for the week or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, man, uh, it was a pretty good rundown for tonight. You know, looking at the playoffs, talking food, uh, our own cultures here, what we're all up to in the world of food too. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be here. We'll be back, you know, hopefully sometime next week. But um, if you're still with us, subscribe, like, leave us a review of some kind, you know, check out our sponsors as well. Um, and you know, guys, you didn't have to pay for this. We're not going to put it on Peacock. So, you know, don't have to worry about subscribing to, to us or our channel, with any sort of monetary, uh, purpose or anything like that too. So, uh, with Wayne, I'm Patrick signing off for the ball and breakfast podcast. <laughs>